Believers, it is crunch time for us. Christians, it is go time for us. Followers of Jesus, it is a most critical time for us in the church of Jesus Christ. Be sure, hear me right off the bat this morning, these are critical, critical days. It is crunch time for us in the church today. Now, when I say that, I'm not sure what you hear. I'm not sure if you're able to drown that out. I'm not sure if you're able to downplay that. I don't know if you think, well, isn't that what he's always said all these years? Isn't that what he's always said? I think about the old story of the frog in the pot of water, and the heat is slowly increasing. And at first, that frog is glad to be in the water. That's what he likes. He's so glad to be in a pot of water. And then the frog is happy as it gets warmer. And it feels so nice there in the warm water. And then the frog gets numb to the fact that it's getting too hot. He gets numb to the fact that, that trouble is coming. And he, he misses a critical time. And then the frog is overcome in the heat. He never knew it was coming. He never saw it coming, but the water boils and the frog is overcome in the heat. Believers, it is crunch time for us today. Now, there are two sides to this, and I'm going to tell you both of them. There are two sides to this. The first side is this. The world today, 2022, the world today is quickly turning against us. Now, it has always been that way, but I believe it is picking up pace. I believe it's happening uh, more rapidly. The world is quickly turning against us. Now, let me give you some examples here. Our educational system is turning against us. Now, if you're to go to 99% of the universities in the United States of America, in Texas, they are teaching that this book is a myth that this book is a superstition, that it is untrue, and that its adherents are superstitious fools. That's the reality. That's the truth now. That is bleeding down. 99% of our biology books in, in primary and secondary education today, they teach that the source of life is evolution instead of the God of life. And that is bleeding down all the way through. Our government is turning against us. And that's hard to hear. I'm not talking about Iraq. I'm not talking about Russia. I'm talking about the United States of America. Our government is turning against us. It is making laws and it is upholding laws contrary to the teaching of God's word and in denial of the God of that word. Our legislatures, look around, watch the news, our courts, our systems of government are turning against us as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, on top of that, and probably leading all of that, our culture today is turning against us. The court of public opinion, the belief set of our neighbors is turning against us. Your views, be sure today, as a follower of Jesus, today are held at best as suspect, and as hateful at worst. And that's the predominant thought of our world today. If you have a belief, a trust in Jesus Christ, at best you are suspect, and at worst, you are a hate monger. 
Now, if you don't believe that, let me give you a challenge this afternoon. This afternoon, go home and get on Facebook. You'll probably do that anyway. Get on Facebook and, and go to the screen with the fancy background. We want a good background and go ahead and use the big print. And I want you to write this on your Facebook page. Marriage is one man, a male, and one woman, a female, and exists in the construct of God and for the glory of God. I challenge you to do that this afternoon. Now, here's my advice. Pull your blinds down. Perhaps turn your internet off. And most likely, I'll preach your funeral by Wednesday, most likely. Somebody's going to come get you for that. The world is against us. Now, here's the deal, and I want you to be sure of this. The world is against us as biblical followers of Jesus Christ, but here's the deal. We can do nothing about that. Did you know that? We can do nothing about that. We can talk about it. We can get upset about it. We can bemoan that fact, but we can actually do nothing about that. The Bible says the reality is it's the biblical truth. They hate the truth, and so they hate the holders and the proclaimers of the truth. That's what happened to Jesus. That's what happened to the disciples. They hate the truth, and so they hate the holders and the proclaimers of the truth. Now, that is the fact, but we can do nothing about that. Now, the second sign of the coin is this, and I want you to listen very carefully. The second side is this. As time is perilously growing short, people are lost. And I, I want you to be just a, a, as aware of that. People today, they are missing Jesus Christ. And because they're missing Christ, they are hurting and they are suffering and they're saying, you know what, I, I thought I would find hope in this, in this job or this relationship or in, the, in this thing. And they are hurting and they are suffering apart from Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you worse than all of that, they are headed into an eternity separated from Jesus Christ. Today, most people are lost. And here's the deal. And we can do something about that. See, the world hates us. We can't do anything about that. In fact, the world, the Bible promises that. But listen, today most people are lost outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, friend, we can do something about that. In fact, we are commanded to do something about that. Friends, people need Jesus. Do you know that people, well, that's so cliche, that's so goofy. Listen, friends, people need Jesus and we as followers of Jesus Christ, we must do something about it. Our message today is entitled, Crunch Time for Christians. Crunch Time for Christians. Today we're in Acts chapter 18, verses 22 and 23, just two verses. Acts chapter 18, verses 22 and 23. Crunch Time for Christians. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Verse 22, when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and I'm thankful today that we have hope. 
I'm thankful that it is well placed in Jesus. I'm thankful that we have the forgiveness of our sin today, right now in Jesus. I'm thankful that we have a future, a glorious future in Jesus. I'm thankful that for believers, whatever, whatever condition we walked in here in, for believers, the best is still ahead. Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. I, I pray for folks that are here, that are listening in person, that are listening in some other means. I pray that they take peace in a world absent of peace, that they take peace in Jesus today. Lord, I pray as the church that we're instructed, that we're equipped, that we're built up today. I pray that a lost person hearing today might turn and trust you. Lord, we're thankful for this day, for this opportunity. We praise you for it. We praise you in it. We turn it over to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, you may remember, hopefully you do, we started back last week after some layoff in our study in the book of Acts. Now, last week, I reminded us we had better be listening because God is instructing us God is preparing us in this study of Acts. Now, listen, God is, is speaking to us. He has a message for us, and it is for a reason. And so as we go through our study of Acts, it's not to say, well, we've got more information. Well, we've got that chapter checked off and put behind us. It is for the reason that God is instructing us, preparing us, and building us in the church. It is for a reason. Last week, we looked at verses 12 through 21. I told you they were transitional verses in the ministry of Paul. Now, if you remember, if you go back and look at those verses, they serve as a bridge between what he has been doing and what he's about to do in our account. And so they are transitional verses. Again, serving as a bridge between what he is, has been doing and what he's about to do. Well, today we continue with that transition between what is called his second missionary journey and what will be his third missionary journey. Now, these verses, these two verses are transitional. But I want you to understand this morning, that does not mean they are not important. Here we are making a transition between the second missionary journey of Paul and the start of the third missionary of journey of Paul. And with these two transitional verses, I want you to see they are necessary verses. Today we're going to see three ways to spread, three ways to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Just these two verses, we're going to see three ways to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now be sure, again, that is why we exist today. That is our mission today. Now listen, I'm, I'm talking to us. I'm talking to you. That is why Jesus has not come back because he is patient and kind and desiring that none should perish. And that is our purpose to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, today we're gonna see three ways that this happens. Now, for the context, Paul is winding up his second missionary effort. He is working, if you read the account, he's moving his way back to the church, the church at Antioch that has sent him out. On the way, we find that he has stopped at Ephesus. 
as was his pattern. We read he goes to the Jews, he goes to the synagogue, and there he takes the scriptures and he explains Jesus as the Christ. Now, every week almost we see this. That is always what has produced trouble for him. That is always, almost always, where the persecution breaks out. He goes to the Jews, and they don't want to hear that message. And he goes, and he takes the Old Testament scriptures, and he points to Jesus, the Nazarene, as the Messiah. Well, that causes him trouble everywhere he goes, and yet he does it again. He does it anyway. Let me read verses 18 through 21 to set the context. Paul, having remained many days longer, took lead of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria, and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. And since Rhea, he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. They came to Ephesus, and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned. It is a word that means he discussed. He spoke his case. He reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills, he set sail from Ephesus. All right, that brings us to our verses today. We're going to begin in verse 22. All right, here we go. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. He travels back. He's making his way back to Antioch. He lands at the port city of Caesarea there on the coast. From there, the Bible says that he went up and greeted the church. Now, as we've seen this a couple of times, this does not mean that he went north it is talking about a rise, a climb in elevation. So he doesn't go north from Caesarea to Antioch. No, he goes south, but he climbs in elevation and he goes to Jerusalem. That's what this means. He goes up, he goes up in elevation and he makes his way to Jerusalem. The Bible says, and there he greets. That is a word that means pays respect to welcomes or wishes well. Now, I think about this. Jerusalem is where the church began. Jerusalem is where the roots are at. That's where Calvary is. That's where the empty tomb stands. Also there in Jerusalem, it's where the persecution broke out. It's where the first martyrs died. It is where Stephen's grave still exists. And there are still faithful believers there in Jerusalem. In fact, it is a growing church. Think about that. That must be a wild experience to go back to. It must be wild to be serving the cause of Jesus Christ and to be going all these places and to pushing the gospel out and to go back and to see where it all began, to see those hills to see where Jesus rode down into Jerusalem, to see the hill of Calvary. That must be wild to see all of those things. And the Bible says he meets with the believers there. He greets them. He wishes them well. Now, no doubt he tells them 
what he's been doing, what's been going on, how God has been working. He greets them there, and then it says, and then he went down to Antioch. So he goes up to Jerusalem. He goes south, makes his way to Jerusalem. There he greets the church, welcomes the church, and then he goes down to Antioch. Now, again, down is not south. It's talking about an elevation. He goes to the north. He goes down to Antioch. Now, right here, I did what no previous generation of preacher has been able to do. Right here, I did something no previous generation of preachers has ever been able to do. I put this in Google Maps. And from Jerusalem to Antioch is about 450 miles. There are two routes. One of them has toll roads and one of them doesn't. I chose the one, I've been as tight as I am, to go on the one without toll roads. And today, right now, you can go on Google Maps and it'll take you the route without toll roads from Jerusalem to Antioch. It'll take you nine hours and 55 minutes to drive there. You get there in one day. Now, for Paul, it wasn't as easy. And it was a more than two weeks trip of walking. It was quite an effort as he goes down from the church's starting place in Jerusalem to where the church is in Antioch. It's a little over two weeks of a walk. All right, verse 22. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. Now, I want you to think about this. After all of this, after all of this, Paul goes back to Antioch. Now, Antioch has become the center of the Christian movement with the persecution that was taking place in Jerusalem. The center of the Christian movement has moved to Antioch. It was there that this church exists It's there that the people prayed and supported Paul and Barnabas. It was there, these people that sent him out. And now he makes his way after all of this back to Antioch. And that brings us to the first point today, and that is this. How do you spread the gospel? How do you share the good news? That is the goal. That is our mission. Well, the first way is this. It is to proclaim the good news. Now that seems like a no-brainer to us, but here's what we see. You have to actually proclaim and declare and announce the good news of Jesus Christ. We see all these places that Paul has gone. We see that that is the fruit of what he has done. You actually have to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now think about this. Since, Since Paul's been sent out because of his proclamation, There are now believers in Paphos, in Perga, in Pisidian Antioch, in Iconium, in Galatia. In fact, several places in southern Galatia, in Lystra, in Derbe. Timothy was saved when Paul went to Derbe. In Treos, on the island of Cyprus, it says from one end to the other, all over Syria. And in the preaching of the gospel, many have heard, and the testimony is many have believed, and just in this single effort, many, many people are saved. See this. How do you spread the good news? You have to declare the good news. How do you spread the good news of a Savior that will forgive us of our sin that will restore us in our relationship with God, that will give us eternal life? You have to proclaim the good news. Friends, listen today. 
We have to get that. We have to remember that in the church today. We have to embrace that. In order for people to hear the good news, we have to declare the message of Jesus Christ. Today, I'm afraid that in our modern expression of Christianity, that we've decided to leave it up to somebody else. You know what, we got a whole bunch of missionaries, they'll do that. You know what, we got a preacher, that's what, that's what he's going to do. And we've decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to do these things. I'm going to claim Christ, but I'm going to leave this part up to somebody else. Or here's what we really do. We really hope that people will see the activities and the programming of the church and that somehow they'll fall into it. And that's what I see all over the place today. We'll go along and we'll do good things and we'll take care of this and we'll do that and we'll have stuff for your kids and we'll have these activities and you'll see all the good things going on at the church and somehow you'll fall into it. Listen, over and over and over again, the way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is to proclaim it, to preach it, to declare it with your mouth. Let me tell you something, you can do that. You can do that. We can do that today. Listen, today, this afternoon, tomorrow, you can do that at work, on the phone, with your friends, at the cafe, with your family. You can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those that do not hear will be lost. It is crunch time in the church today. When he had landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch, verse 23. Having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Let me read that twice. And having spent some time there, he left and passed successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. The Bible says, having stopped in Jerusalem and having stayed in Antioch, he now left and he passed, it's interesting in, in the original language, successively through the Galatian region and Phrygia. He, what, what, what it literally means is this, he stayed there for a little while, but then he went place to place, stop to stop, church to church throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia. He went place to place. Bible says, strengthening all the disciples. Now that brings me to the second point today. How do you spread the gospel? How do you share good news? Now, maybe this is unexpected, but here's what you do. You strengthen the disciples. You strengthen the disciples. Now, get this. The word for strengthening here, what Paul was doing, the, the word, it means making stronger, upholding, or strengthening, literally strengthening. And, and so I want you to see this from that. As believers, we are in a process and the process is a process of growing. Now listen to me, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're doing what God has ordained for you to do, then you're in a process, and the process is a process 
of growing. Now what that means is it doesn't end at salvation. It doesn't end when you say, Lord, I've put my faith in Jesus. No, we are to be growing as disciples. And so watch this. Paul goes around and he preaches the word of God. He teaches the word of God to strengthen the disciples. Now the process of discipleship It is about learning, but it's not just about learning. It is learning that results in obedience. You want to know what discipleship is? It is learning that results in faithfulness. It is learning that results in a commitment to the mission. It is learning that results in boldness. You see, Paul knew, and the truth is, The the way you reach the most people is to grow people who will reach other people. And so we find here, Paul is dedicated to strengthening the disciples. He knew the way that you have the biggest impact is to preach the gospel, but on top of that, it is to grow people and to build people and to equip people to also share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question today. Are you growing in obedience? Now, let me, let me just go ahead and I, I want to say something here. A lot of times we go through a list like this, we think some other time. When I get my work situation set, set up. When I'm older, I'm young now. Well, I've already passed that time. I'm older. I should have done it then. Listen, I'm talking to you if you've trusted Jesus Christ. Here's the question. Are you growing in obedience Are you growing in faithfulness? Are you growing in your commitment to the mission? I I want you to know the world pulls away at every turn. Are you saying I actually see the need? I see how dire it is and you're growing in your commitment. Did you even know that is your mission? Are you growing in boldness? Will, Will you be bold for the cause of Jesus Christ? How do you spread the gospel? First, you proclaim the gospel. Second, you strengthen disciples. And that brings us to the third thing. How do you spread the gospel? You proclaim the gospel. You strengthen disciples. And the third thing is this. You encourage the church. You encourage the church. Now, I want you to notice that's what Paul was doing. That's exactly what we see here. That's what Paul was doing. He goes back to each of these places, Iconium and Derby in Lystra, in Phrygia, and even Jerusalem, the starting place, Antioch. He goes back to all of these places to encourage the church, to bolster the church. Why? I want you to see this. We're about done. Listen to this. It is because the mission of the church is to share the gospel. And the means of the church is to produce disciples who will go out and produce more disciples. The means of the church is to produce disciples that will actually go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Paul goes and he revisits all of these places to encourage each church. Today you ask, well, what is the means of evangelism today? And there's folks looking all over the place. What is the means of evangelism today? Listen to me, friend. 
It is the church. The church is the means of evangelism. That's how the message is to get out. We are to be a proclaiming church. And then you ask, well, what is the means of discipleship today? How are we ever going to grow as disciples? It is the same answer. It is the church. That is how we grow. That is how we build disciples who will make other disciples. It is the church. It is the church. It is the church. Proclamation comes out of the church. Discipleship happens in the church. It is the church. We live in a day when church is secondary at best. I got this to do and I got that to do and I got work to do and I need to have a little recreation and my family needs some time for, for downtime. And if I get all that done, brother, then I might come and I might invest in the church and church is secondary today. Listen, that's not ever going to work in the crunch time. So what does this mean to you? Friends, it is crunch time for Christians. People are lost. Time is short. It is urgent. What does it mean to you? Listen very carefully. We must commit to the church. Today, if you find a properly functioning church, and if we are to be a properly functioning church, we must be proclaiming and we must be building each other up to proclaim. Well, what if I don't like their music? Get over it. What if I don't like this and I don't like that and they spent too much on a bus and I don't like this? Listen, if we're to be the church that God has called us to be in the days before Jesus comes again, we must be proclaiming and we must be building each other to proclaim. Do you see the circle of that? Do you see the cycle of that? One feeds the other. One blesses the other. It is crunch time for Christians. I'm going to end with this. And today, you are either fine in the warming water or you are ready and you are stirred and you are committed to reaching people for Jesus Christ through the activity, through the fellowship, through the movement of the church. Plain as that. Either you're fine sitting in the warming water, it feels pretty good today, or you are stirred to say, you know what, I'm ready to be committed to my church. And I'm ready to be committed to the proclamation of the gospel to a lost and dying world through that church. I think I can end every week with this, but I'm gonna end with it this week again. So let's go. Let's go. Do you know right now God has a plan for you and his church as a believer? Do you know right now God has gifted you for action in his church as a believer? Do you know a lost and dying world will suffer outside of Christ if the church gets comfortable sitting in warm water? Let's go. Let's go. Go with me the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and we praise you today. We thank you today. We exalt you. I'm thankful that today... We have the forgiveness of our sin. We have hope that endures. We have peace, not waiting on the, the edict of a, of a government or the outcome of a battle, that our hope is secure in Jesus today. Lord, I praise you for that. Lord, I, I pray that we would sit here today and we would take hope. 
that we would be encouraged, that we would remember the joy of our salvation. That's what you say. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged, we'd be strengthened, I pray we'd be emboldened. And I pray, Lord, that if we walk out of here, we'd be agents, ambassadors for the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us in that. And Lord, I pray for some and maybe many that are hearing today that don't know you. And they don't know that hope. They don't have that peace. I pray that today in the hearing of the good news of the gospel, that today they would trust you. Today they would turn to you. They would find peace and forgiveness, eternal life in you. Lord, we give this to you. I believe, I know, Lord, it's your word. And I pray, Lord, that you've, you've spoken. I pray that it would bear the impact, the fruit that you intend. I pray we wouldn't be the same. Whatever that means, whatever it looks like, we give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to conclude with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, all of that is about this. There is good news today. Listen, there is good news today. We get so pushed down, knocked down with all the crazy stuff happening. We have a risen Savior, and he loves you, and he knows you. And if you'll trust him in faith, he'll forgive you and save you. We have good news today. We have nothing to fear today. The best for us as followers of Christ is ahead today. The good news of the gospel is this. If you haven't trusted Jesus, that is available to you today in Jesus. If you'll call upon him today, he'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. He'll restore you today. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that right now. Well, I need more information. It's as simple as this. We are sinners. We've earned a punishment, death. Jesus paid that penalty, died my death on the cross of Calvary, took the wrath of God towards sin, settled it on the cross. Comes out of a grave three days later. He's alive, he's victorious. If you will, if I will, profess him as Lord, trusting in him for your salvation, the Bible says you shall be saved. If you've never done that, do that today. Settle that today. If you're listening in some other means today, settle that today. His grace is offered to you today in the person of Jesus. If you're here and you are a believer, you'd say, yeah, but you know what? I've kind of messed things up. I've gotten distracted. I've, I've put my focus somewhere else. Do you know what? It's crunch time in the church today. And God knows where you're at today and he knows what you're hearing today. And we just turn around, we put our eyes back on him and we get in his service and we're bold and we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has a purpose for you. If that's you today, you re-up today. You recommit today. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If God is speaking to you, if he has spoken to you, if you're ready to proclaim him as Lord and Savior, you come. Let's settle that today. We'll announce it to the church. If you need more information, you come. We'll settle that today as well. If you need to follow a believer's baptism, you come today. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration, a testimony to what we believe of Jesus. If you're looking for a church home to, to, to join, to, to partner in, to invest in, to serve through, and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come as well. And together we'll, we'll uphold his name, his mission. Maybe you just want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one stir around, no one head for an exit. You pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you as we stand and sing, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.